What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Reverse Mullet Podcast, where the party's in the front and the business is in the back. We hope you enjoy the show today. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Reverse Mullet Podcast. I'm sitting here with Cooper Neal and our special guest today, Mr. Garrett Kettler himself. Um, we're happy to have him in the studio. Glad he could uh, be here this evening. We're all hanging out, just kind of chatting it up. Co- him and Cooper are pretty good friends. I'll let Cooper kind of introduce him here in a second. Um, but this is mine and Neil's first time to meet him. So we're glad you're here today, Garrett. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. So yeah. Cooper, so I met Garrett my freshman year. Um, he's basically just big country in form. Six foot. What are you, four? Three. Six. Nah, humble. He's probably like six, four. <laughs> huge guy. Definitely uh, takes the room whenever you get to meet him. And he's a great guy. I got to live with him for one year. And now he's neighbors to us at Club P. I mean, they're probably as much as I am at Club P. So knew whenever we started the podcast, I wanted to have Garrett on. Um, he's got a great story. He is super humble. So whatever you whatever he talks about, just kind of multiply by two. And that's probably what it'll actually be. <laughs> um, so yeah, Garrett, talk to us a little bit about where you're from, what you do. All that kind of jazz. Okay, so I'm from Dickinson, which is near Galveston, between Houston and Galveston. Grew up there my whole life. Um, didn't do, I mean, didn't move, didn't do anything too out of the ordinary growing up. Played sports, did school, all that. Always knew I wanted to come to A&M, so I came to A&M. I originally was going to be a mechanical engineer and do a business master's. Found out about the interdisciplinary engineering department, which gave me the ability to combine those. And so now I'm studying product development, which is kind of the mechanical side, with entrepreneurship, which gets the business. Um, and so I'll graduate with that this spring. We do a, I'm still going to do a business master's, but it's a one-year program. It's not an MBA. It's a MSB. And then go on from there, and we'll see We'll see where I end up as far as jobs go. Yeah, so. typical get right there. Glossed over football team captain at Dickinson, right? Salutatorian or valedictorian? Saluta. Second, <laughs> second place. First so loser. Who was who's was McKenna the valedictorian? No, no, no. It was a girl named uh, Ozioma. She was in all of my classes. You know, all, all the people that were in the top ten were we were in the same classes. Was that well. like a neck and neck competition between you and the first person? Or she um, had you just dogged. I I don't really know. I don't know what her GPA was. Um, I, it was neck and neck. I think between me and the girl that got third, mm-hmm. we kind of flip flopped ah, between oh, back and forth. Sorry about it, honey. It's a tough spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, but she was in band, so we always kind of had a leg down if we were in sports because it wasn't advanced, right? Like it wasn't AP or whatever. Right. Um, but she was in band, which I believe wasn't advanced either. So no. it was, it was fairly, you know, it was a fair, it was a fair race. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it's fine. It's better than I expected, you know. Oh, I actually, sure. what happened? I did for sure. <laughs> I was around ten um, through high school, and then when I was a junior, I tore my ACL like at the beginning of football season, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have to go to practice as much. And so I was like, well, if I'm not going to practice, I guess I'll do my homework better. Right? <laughs> yeah. like I'll, I'll just start studying. Yeah. More. What else did you have to do for sure? Yeah. And so and so then I that's when I rose, and because I originally just figured I'd be like ten or something, but mm-hmm. that's when I was. Got up to second. That's so. pretty impressive to do in a year. Yeah. You said you were a junior when that happened? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was like a year and a half by the time I graduated because that was fall. So I so you tore, if you, you tore your ACL junior year? Mm-hmm. So how did like... So two, like two days going into your junior season? It was it was like our third game. Oh, second, wow. second oh game. dang, yeah. dude. Wait, so how did that like play into your senior year playing? Like, did you get to play or did, did you call it after junior year? No, so oh, yeah, I, he still has a really good huddle. Okay. I, yeah, he's cool. got a good huddle highlight. We'll link it. What position? I, uh, uh, defensive end, mainly. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
No, I, I rehabbed pretty well. We had I was able to rehab at the like the I guess it's not like a training center, but the medical area, right? Like in the field house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rehabbed twice a day there. And then I didn't play baseball. So I was playing football and baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't play baseball that year and just went ahead and quit after that because I didn't want to mess with it, you know, my senior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, no, my senior year season was totally normal. I played spring ball and everything. Um, and it was probably just as good as it would have been. Um, you know, my legs were a little bit weaker, but it, I don't, you know, I don't think it made that big of a difference. Did it make you nervous playing on the field like after that, after that happened for um, a while or? I mean, right away, like the first couple, you know, practice games in the spring, I was nervous, but mm-hmm. um, not really. Like I, it was pretty, my rehab was really like really good. And so it was just as strong as it was Yeah, you before. felt confident playing with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think if I remember right, I think they said the type of surgery that I did um was like ended up with like a stronger acl than your original acl they're lying yeah. wait yeah. are you sure i thought that's what they say <laughs> really I yeah because when they were stronger when, when they replace your acl with like another ligament yeah quick google that quick yeah. that was a yeah that was a patellar tendon well i just ACL. think it's funny because living with garrett if we go do anything athletic garrett just shows up with that knee brace on the and metal was, one. yeah the metal knee brace to play spike ball in the backyard with us well, that he was, looks like jj yeah. watt playing spike ball yeah, jj watt wears all the braces <laughs> that's what was weird because like growing up i was always in sports and like all my friends were you know people in sports and then the summer before college i retore my acl and so oh, i was no. planning on playing like intramural intramurals 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 yeah <laughs> um, I just say really fast, like, uh, in a world. No one knows actually how to say it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, being with Cooper and everybody in form, like, I, that, I just wasn't a part of that because it was still torn. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of weird, like, by the time I did start to. So is it still torn? No, no, no. I, I had my surgery um, in over winter break my freshman year. Okay. So, so I, I'm not really sure what this is the answer to but it says <laughs> well, start to any explanation right so this is what it says it says based on animal studies Wait, it is technically animals it is estimated to be about 1.2 times stronger than the original acl so i don't know if that's talking I thought, about like, i thought i had heard that it was stronger but why would it say animals well i remember in middle school um there's a guy named arthur ball that i played football with mm-hmm. he was like this big um asian guy and his older brother, who was a, I believe, felon, told him oh, that if you like in jail, people mm-hmm. would break their like break their knuckles, and they would grow back stronger. So oh Arthur God. broke both of his hands punching the cement walls. I have heard that. <laughs> in I know middle it's to break school, your that's like rolling your shins. No, like he literally just like his brother told him that. So the next day he came to practice. He was he played defensive end. Whenever he w- he was just massive. And he comes to class, or not to class, to school with just wrapped up hands. And our coaches were like, hey, like, Arthur, what's up, man? He was like, oh, just kind of broke my hands. And they're like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, my, my brother told me if I break my hands, I'll come back stronger. Oh and like, you God. realize that you won't be able to play for a full year. And this is in, like, eighth grade. And he was like, oh. Just all right. tape him up. He was like, oh, all right, never strong. mind. And then he never played football again. So really? maybe he has strong hands now. I don't know. Arthur, you wow. don't listen to this. Miss you, buddy. Hope your hands are really strong. I don't, I don't I'm know. Sure they are. I'm sure they are. But speaking of jail, I was in the library today and I was studying. And I have my AirPods in, mm-hmm. but I don't listen to my music super, super loud unless I'm like really focused. Yeah, you even don't want anybody to come up to you and say anything. No, 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 it's not even that. It's just if I'm reading something or trying to work on something, 
I get so distracted that I can't focus on my own thoughts because there's too loud music in my ear. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I keep it like a, a quarter to like, I don't know, halfway. So I'm sitting there and this guy is probably like 25 to 30 feet away from me on mm -hmm. an iPad. And he doesn't look like he's like here to study or anything. Mm -hmm. So I have my music turned down low enough for me to hear him in and out when the music, you know, kind of fades a little bit. And I keep hearing, I don't know how I got there. And guess what I did last night? I went to jail. Oh, wow. So I don't know what happened, but I, I had to sit here and listen to this guy while I was trying to study, talk about how he didn't know how he got to jail. But he says that the police told him that he was evading arrest. A little sneaky oh. bit action. Right? Very no, that's what he said. He said, I didn't know what happened. So Good it was for a him. very sneaky bender. So for but he got bailed. I mean he posted bail. Posted he, bail goes straight to Evan or no MSC. Good for him. And then he was just chilling there on an iPad. He said he didn't have his phone because it was still at the bar. Oh my god. He can't he couldn't get into his house because his roommate wouldn't answer the door. I heard all of this and I wasn't I had my AirPods in. And he called his mom. That was the best part. So wait, you heard this when he was on the phone with his mom? Yes. Or? And he called oh like god. everyone else, be like, Hey. Me and you are twins now. Guess what I did last night? Oh, I went dude. to jail. I was like, whoa. What? what a thing to be celebrating. Yeah, and then he just left. So I really hope that the charges get dropped if you don't know how you got there, you know? And, mm -hmm. you know, just be careful. Good. What a random day you had. It was super weird. And then the fire alarm went off because Panda Express was, like, burning something. That's, that's not important. But, yeah, I just thought it was such a strange encounter. Huh. Just to hear about this guy's day and, like, how he woke up in like the tank. Oh, he also said, last thing, he also said that he made friends with the people in the tank with him. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. And he said that they were, all three of them were there for aggravated robbery. Oh, so this and guy said, was evading said, arrest because he was probably drunk. Right. And the other people were there for aggravated robbery. Robbery. Oh my God. And I believe aggravated is like with, with a weapon. weapon. With a yeah. weapon, yeah. Not necessarily a deadly weapon because it would like be aggravated back, a deadly weapon. But yeah. still. That's all I heard, and I was honestly just over it. I really didn't care, but I just couldn't focus. You seem like a normal guy. Yeah, he was pretty normal. Yeah. Like, at first, I didn't think he was being serious because he was, like, handling himself really well. Yeah. And then I, I think he got, back, he got back on, on the phone with the cops and was like, hey, I don't know. Can you please tell me why I was in? I feel kind of bad for the guy. Yeah, I what if he got, like, roofied? Well, I don't know him, so I don't really care. Yeah, what if he got roofied? Either, that sucks. All right, I mean, well, anyways. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. Garrett, Sorry. Back on from track. my knowledge, you've never been to jail, so this doesn't really matter. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, clear <laughs> the record correct. right there. All right, so Garrett's never been to jail. Good start. So you're in, you're at A&M, like, entrepreneurship's in your blood. Your dad owns, like, I'm assuming, right, like, the biggest vet clinic in all of Dickinson, or, like, a pretty respected... <laughs> all of Dickinson, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, <laughs> I think, the only one in Dickinson. Okay, yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey, so, still counts Yeah, still technically a monopoly. Um... <laughs> So you've got that in your blood. Like we've talked about this, like your mom helps with the business. Um, so kind of talk to us about, you know, the entrepreneurship that you're interested in. I remember whenever we lived together, you had like the socket thing. Mm -hmm. Is that just in the drain now? Yeah. So, um, so in high school, I started looking at careers and, and degrees and whatnot. Really, it seemed like everything kind of kept pointing back to owning a business, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and right. Um, you know, f as far as like getting wealthy one day, um, you know, as long as you're working for someone else, there's a there's a cap. And so I knew I wanted to own a business, but I didn't know what kind. Um, so, you know, naturally I could have came in and studied business, but I figured I'm already good at math and science. So I'll, I'll just study that 
first, right? And then I'll I can figure out business or get another degree or something. Yeah. Um. So I was originally in uh, startup LLC or LLP. They changed the deal, but it, it's a freshman living learning community or yeah. program. My freshman year. Um, so we did entrepreneurship stuff, did classes, did programs. Um, and then sophomore year joined the engineering schools, um, what's it called? Uh, incubator, business uh-huh. incubator. And so I didn't really have an idea. Well, I had a bunch of ideas, right? But I didn't know which one to pick because it was all, a lot of them were huge startup costs or just right. things I didn't know how to do. Um, and so I figured, well, I'll just pick one. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I've got something to talk about in an interview, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I started uh, on an idea that was like an interchangeable wall outlet system, right? Because a lot of times you have these empty wall outlets that you're not using and they're ugly or mm-hmm. you need a different type of outlet, right? Like you might want a USB or you might want, you know, Ethernet or your phone line. Mm-hmm. And so this would be something that you would put in your house and you'd be able to, to change those out, right? Mm-hmm. So I worked on that for about a year by myself, um, got through like um, customer discovery, did a bunch of interviews and whatnot, started prototyping it. Um, and then at that point, I decided that that really wasn't something for me to start. Like I didn't really know anything about building houses or about, mm-hmm. you know, electrician work and whatnot. Right. So I was like, well, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea but I'm not super passionate about it. And I don't think that I'm the guy to be the boss of that company. Right. And so I was like, well, I still have two years in college. I like the outdoors and I want to have an outdoor business one day. At this point, I kind of figured out that I want to work in the outdoor industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was taking a class called Lean Launch, which teaches you how to start a business and kind of do customer discovery. Yeah, Lean Startup by, what's the guy's name? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, but, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, like a lean um, methodology. There's different things about it, but um, so in the class, I didn't have an idea of what the business was going to be, but I knew yeah. it was going to be in the outdoors. And so I picked a problem, and I was like, "Well, okay, kids. A lot of kids nowadays are having trouble getting connected with the outdoors. They're oh, spending yeah. too much time inside on the screens. Yeah, they're just cracking. Yeah, right, yeah. right, Justin. <laughs> and so." And so I just started asking people about that and figuring out where the pain points were and came up with the idea that I'm now running, which is the um, children's subscription box company that does basically starter kits. So for any outdoor skill or activity, you know, we'll, we'll build a starter kit and then you'll get it once a month and it'll be like a, just a group of activities and gear that they can then do by themselves or with the family. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, I still have the attitude where, um, you know, if it works great, I, I am a lot more passionate about this one. Um, and I think there's definitely more potential in it. Um, and it's, and I've already made it further. Right. Um, but if it doesn't work out again, it's a low startup cost type of business and it's another resume builder, um, you know, going forward. So what was like the first, so like when you were thinking of something else to to do, I know you were talking about how kids don't kind of go to the outdoors and do those kind of things. They're on their phones or their tablets or whatever what was like the first thing that kind of like struck in your head to be like oh this is the thing right well so it it definitely wasn't like an epiphany moment um Mm -hmm. there was several different ways i thought i could go about it like a camp or you know some sort of online training program or you know there was a number of different things um 
But since I was taking the approach of, you know, let me figure out a business that does what I want to do instead of having an idea and then just kind of having to be stuck in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing was I wanted to be an outdoor business. And then the other one was that I wanted it to be something that wasn't like a full time gig. Right. right? And that didn't have a lot of startup costs so that I could start it in college. And so any sort of camp or, you know, thing like that was going to be out out the window. Um, And so they just kind of steered me toward something that I could ship people. Um, I started researching the subscription box industry, which is still growing. It, it, Dude, it's, it's had it's huge though. Yeah, yeah it's huge. My, my sister talks about in New York all of like the college graduates that move there. I'm gonna say like the kind of douchey guys that like go to Wall Street or whatever like that. They all have subscription based everything. Like everything there is like Stitch what Fix, HelloFresh. Stitch Fix is a close. I think it's Bespoke. Bespoke. Yeah, that's like the men's one where they send you crappy whiskey and a. Oh yeah, the, like a, dude, there's a, so a many leather. You can get them yeah. from watches. No, yeah, there's, there's for everything. There's everything. Yeah, and it's, it's a girl, actually it's, everything. It's but if you think about it, the industry is genius because because people don't really have the, especially. I mean, I guess you could apply this to any industry. People don't have the time to pick out certain things, or maybe people just don't want to anymore. You know, no, they so like someone giving a recommendation to them. Yeah, it's, who like, has an it's, expertise. A, it's a Christmas gift that comes to your yeah. house every single month. They're like, oh crap, I forgot I signed up for a one year subscription. To this, yeah. oh cool, it's a bottle of whiskey and a China made axe or whatever, but it's right. like, it, it keeps you engaged, keeps you fun. And so I remember whenever I was going over to your house and you were talking about this and you had the, all of the, like, what is it called? Not an emblem. Logos. 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 Yeah. All the logo ideas that we looked through in your thing. We went through all the website design, actually down, pulled it up early and down's a huge website guy for his dad's company. And the first thing he says, like, Oh wow, this is a pretty nice website. And I was like, yeah, looks really good. Yeah. Gear goes hard in the paint for well, that kind of stuff. The other thing with the subscription boxes is it's not necessarily like, you know, you don't want to pick out what you want. You might not know, right? right so, right. like, you might be getting into something new, and I think that's like another good reason. I wanted to add well, that especially in. during the time of the pandemic. I saw, I think Stitch Fix is a public share company, but I watched an interview with um, their what is, CEO. What is Stitch Fix? It's like they send it's, you clothes. Yeah, it's a clothing thing. You can kind of sign up for like what style you like, and they send you. You pick out what clothes you want, and you send the rest back. Kind of a different subscription model than some, but, I mean, it works, right? But during the pandemic, people weren't shopping as much, but they still wanted, you know, to buy clothes or whatever. And so you can honestly have all of it sent to your house and not buy any of it. You just take out what you want, send the rest back, and they charge you. So, I mean, obviously the time is right for that kind of business model, and that was a really great idea for sure. Or still is a good idea. Yeah, nice. Do you, do you think that you interning with Boy Scouts, like, I know we've talked about, like, that mindset to go, like, from where Bodo gets now to like, you know, infinite ideas, right? Like with Boy Scouts of America and all that stuff, like teaming up with them. Yeah, so that was uh, that was on purpose. Um, yeah. Last springs when I was kind of going through customer, you know, discovery and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was looking at internships, and I just lucked out that um, they were one that was still going to have an internship. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was going to intern for more of an engineering role mm-hmm. um, in a in an outdoor company, like in a hunting company. Um, but I was like, well, I can go do this. I can now have great one-on-one, you know, um, availability to, you know, figuring out what kids are like, right? Because I don't have any little cousins or anything. Yeah. Right, right. And you can't just go up to people and ask to talk to their kid. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, so that gave me the ability to still get an internship and then also just get more exposure about, you know, how I could serve at least Boy Scouts, right? right. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, how many Boy Scouts are in? What are the statistics on how many Boy Scouts are signed up right now? So, like, if you gotta be insane. Like, about. is the idea like to partner with Boy Scouts of America? Because that would be 
2.7 million kids. Jeez, <laughs> that's man. insane. So uh, not that's not like the whole idea, right? Yeah. But that is definitely one of the the ways that we could go and, and we'll probably try to at some point where um, y'all are all aware of like merit badges, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so, you know, we can provide you a quick kit to get the merit badge, right? So instead of them having to go navigate the pamphlet and whatever resources they have about earning that badge or whatever accomplishment right. it is, we can ship it to them. It can almost be like a homework thing where yeah. it's like not, you know, it's still fun, but it's something they do outside of meetings. Right, right. Um, and it can get them that quick next accomplishment. I don't even think we've said the name of it yet. We've been talking about, so what's the name of the company? It's Bode Oak. Bode Oak. Bode Oak, yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's named after, it's kind of, it's not supposed to be recognized by like, or like, I, I don't know. It's named after um, Native Americans, uh, I think in the Midwest, would like bend trees mm-hmm. to mark um, specific things. So it could be a path or it could be like a point of interest, like a, you know, a water source or something. And so it's sort of marking the path. And that was the thought that like this is kind of help gu- helping guide kids through their outdoor journey. Oh, wow. What were, what were awesome. some of the other names that you went through? Cockeyed Guide. Cockeyed Guide. Yeah, that's what it was. That Cock-eyed was Cockeyed Guy? Cockeyed Guide. Guide. Cockeyed Guide. Yeah, yeah. So that was the one. That was almost it. But it was a little a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> and then just saying cockeyed, right? It was yeah. a little... You know. Bodo kind of just rolls off the tongue. I like no, it. It's, it's a great name. Good. And the website yeah. looks great. It really like does the, look the, really good. Like the light background on the uh, the dark black with the logo up at the top. I really like the logo. Well, thank so you. are you doing all this yourself? Do you have like people helping you? What does that kind of look like in this atmosphere? So it's all me right now. Um, well, I'm Gary, well, <laughs> you, have, you have a communications director. Well, yeah. So, so hold on. Um, <laughs> so it's all me and, I, and I've tried to keep it all me just again so that if something comes up where I decide to go a different way or something, mm-hmm. I don't have to coordinate that. It's just less moving parts. Right. And right now, I can definitely, I can do everything. Um, obviously, I'm not perfect at everything. Right. Um, but it's not overwhelming right now, and so it's it's feasible to keep it as just me. Um, I'm in the the engineering engineering Inc is the name of the program, which is the incubator, and I get a lot of mentorship and kind of feedback from them, mm-hmm. and that sort of serves as my my teammates right right because um, there's also a level of accountability where i tell them what i'm gonna do and then i come up to the meeting and they say you know why didn't you do it or why did you do it right um and then i use all my friends uh for feedback on things like the logo and the name and just mm-hmm. different ideas um especially with like the website and social yeah, yeah. media and things like that that i'm yeah. not as in touch with right so how lo- when was like the official launch date of Odo? It was in November. I don't remember what the official date was. It was about a week before uh, Black Friday, but like twenty twenty November. Or? Yeah, like three months ago. Okay, yeah. Oh, so we're wow. on our huge. Our third box is coming out this month on the fifteenth. Oh wow, that's huge! Yeah. So give me kind of like an idea this. of what. So like a Bodo box right now. I know you're not partnering with the Boy Scouts right now. What does a Bodo box look like right now? So, um, so each of them has a topic, right? The first one was bird watching. The second was um, plant and tree identification, or, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, tree and wildflower identification. And the third one is building a survival kit. Mm-hmm. And they're all centered um, around Texas ecosystems. Oh, so nice. That's something that a lot of programs don't have. Mm-hmm. Is it's just kind of general. And you know, you could tell me about a tree in Washington that I never see. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, and so it typically comes with a, a foldable guide. Have you ever seen those like 
plasticky, like little pamphlet guides. If yeah. you open, you see way them. big. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Live right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it has one of those. Um, it has some are, gear. You, but you're designing those pamphlets. No, those are from the company that makes the same ones you see at HEB and okay. whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then it has um, gear that is supposed to be the essential gear that you need. So we're not, we don't want to charge you for things that you don't really need to learn the thing, right. the, the topic. Um, and so we, we want to just give you the bare minimum so that you can explore as many topics as you want and kind of let that path take you where you're, you know, interested. Mm -hmm. And then it has things that we make that guide you through the box and actually teach you the skill. Right. So that can incorporate the panther, the foldable guide and the gear and kind of it, it's they're written the little is typically little booklets mm -hmm. and they're written to help the kid like explore on their own and teach themselves. So they don't they don't need a parent, they don't need you know, me to tell them exactly what to do. Um, but it, it's supposed to kind of give them the ability to, after this particular box, to go on and figure out what else it is they're interested in and go do it. Hmm. Yeah. I remember we kind of talked about, like, down earlier, asked me, like, oh, was he an Eagle Scout? You weren't, right? Yeah, you didn't do anything just because you kind of had that ability for your parents and older brother to kind of pave that path here. I remember we talked about one time that, I think I was in Boy Scouts for two weeks, and my me and my dad. Me too. Me, yeah, me very, and my dad. I was there. never in Boy Scouts, for the record. Me and my dad went to this little like, I forget what it's called, like, but it's basically like you build like a wooden race car. Oh and yeah, you, derby race. Derby, yeah. yeah, derby yeah. race, right? So that was my that was my first thing. I was a Cub Scout. I wasn't even Boy Scout yet. Yeah, that's what I was. You selling popcorn door to door? Hell no. Hustling. Oh, so no. so no. my dad, you know, my dad's been in construction his whole life. Pretty handy guy. So we build this car. We show up to the thing. I don't even know anyone yet, and we win the thing. My dad was like, that was easy. So then <laughs> next week we go to uh, my first camping thing. I'm balls to wall, so excited, ready to go. How I, old are you at this uh, point? I was living in Florida. Nine. No, I was probably like seven, six, oh, seven. Oh, you're young Cooper. Young. Young Chevy mm. Cooper. Ooh. Loving life. So we get to the campgrounds. Everyone's having fun. We set up our tent. Me and my dad are walking around, right? Well, we start looking around, and none of the dads have put up the tents yet. And my dad's like, what the hell? So he walks up to one of the tents with me, and of course, it's like a really nerdy dad and his son. And they're like, yeah, you know, we're trying to figure it out. And, like, the tags are still on the thing. So my dad's like, oh, Jesus. So he sets up their tent. One dad sees my dad setting up this random kid's tent. So he set up, like, 20 tents. Yeah, so my dad ends up spending the whole night setting up other dudes' tents. He has to build the fire and, like, is taking over for the guy. And my, we come back from the weekend. My dad sits me down. He was like, we are done with this. You are never going back. I'll teach you everything myself. So that was my stint of Boy Scouts. But I think we're really lucky to be able to have, like, the parents and the ability to, you know, navigate the outdoors by ourselves. I don't think a lot of kids have. I agree with that. I think, like, my dad has taught me more than – I love my dad. Any, love my dad. I, my dad has taught me far more than, like, a Cub Scout thing could ever teach me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm thankfully like had the ability to <laughs> to learn um, a lot from him, um, so super thankful for that. But for the people who don't have that kind of opportunity, yeah, that's some, where Bodo that's where Bodo straight to your would mailbox. strive for well, sure. Front door, kid right? Oh, it, oh, it can. Oh, okay. Oh, right to your mailbox. Slides right in there. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that was kind of the the deals that I had a dad who was you know into the outdoors and and mm. could teach me everything and did. And then I also had woods in my backyard where I could go out and build teepees and you know little traps and stuff and, yeah. yeah um and so this is for yeah the kids that either don't have the place to go or the parents to teach them or both yeah i had a, a good buddy back in this was like 
elementary school, we used to make, actually might've been a little bit of junior high in the early part, but we used to make uh, like snare traps. We learned how to make snares out of like little, you know, like the little twig trees and mm-hmm. that, like some. Yeah, yeah. bushcraft. Dude. Yeah. I love bushcraft. Dude, bushcraft. Oh, we would set them I don't think up. I've ever heard that term. We would set them up everywhere, right? You catch anything? Yeah. We, I remember <laughs> the first time we finally caught like a squirrel or something, we were like, oh my God, what do we do? Like, because we never thought like, we're like it was ever going to work. Yeah, you never think it's going to work. You just build them and it's fine. Did you kill it? I don't remember what we did. Yeah, you probably, you probably killed it. You probably killed <laughs> it. Probably did. <laughs> But I do remember the first time we caught it, and I was better like, than dude, I cannot believe. Yeah. Better than what? Like, it's, yeah, never mind. Neighborhood cats. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first sign of serial killers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't indulge in any of that kind of stuff, just mm. mostly squirrels, rabbits. But I just remember those kinds of things being so fun to me. Because, like, when I was younger, basically growing up, I grew up on, like, some, well, grew up on land. And so I, I could do kind of whatever I want. I could start six fires at one time. I could. Oh, jeez. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> Do it, bro. Slow your roll. Dude, I was having a phenomenal time. See, Smokey up, the Bear would not, like, down his knee. No. Right? No. I, no. <laughs> so, not, I grew up in, like, a neighborhood. I didn't grow up with, like, land or anything. But I dug, like, a three-foot hole in my backyard one Ooh, summer. Nice. Ooh. And we also, we like, the snare traps, we had, like, real ones. So you just bought the them? Best. No, I think my friend's dad had them. And we just literally set them up, like, in the neighborhood. Like, the ones that... Like, like, a, like a bear trap. Oh yeah, like the small wait, wait. traps for like a, a real human. one. Like a human steps in it. They're no, no, no they make they make ones. them smaller. But like, I'm happy we never caught anything to my knowledge because it <laughs> probably would have been a cat, dude. If you lived around any trees, there were raccoons going through. Traps. No, actually, yeah. Now that you say that, my neighbor had no trees. It was development that was a field. I promise. <laughs> okay. I promise. Don't waste besides. Cats. I'll show you the Google Earth picture. Of it. it is no trees. <laughs> so we sell that. Say like. I can definitely see where the need could be filled for people who don't have the opportunity to just to be able to experience those kind of things. You know what I mean? Like if you've had the ability to go hunting like we have or fishing or whatever, like you learn a lot of those things that you can learn in Cub Scouts but or Boy Scouts. I mean. Yeah. And, do, you, uh, do you think that your entrepreneurship like drive has like bled into any friendships or like been joined? Because I know your high school best friend Andy goes to – lives in Galveston and he does his – what do you – you know, I got I was it. making sure you're talking down. Yeah, I'm talking, man. Okay, okay. He's uh he started was it Stranded Tiki? Stranded Tiki Surfboard Company. Yeah. yeah so wait, wait, wait. What's his name? Andy his name's Williams. Andy Williams. Okay. Real quick. I know Andy Williams. Whoa. How? There's several Andy Williams. No, I know this Andy Williams. Oh, really? He went to UTSA, right? Yeah. Whoa. My Whoa. buddy from really, high school. Really good looking rice yes. Guy? Yes. Yeah. My buddy from high school, Chance McCloud, went and no played way. football at UTSA. Have you met him? Yeah, no chance. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, hold on, hold wait. On, hold on. No, wait. I know Chance McLeod. <laughs> yes, he was. A, yeah, yeah. He came in one weekend. No, that's not how I met him. You're lying. I swear you are lying. on my life. I'll show you. Keep talking. Boy State or something or what? Yes. That's you, right. He told me down. You were such to a Boy State, State guy. <laughs> Anyways, no. So. Wait, you went to Boy State. I've no. seen that. Wait, no. is uh, this uh, him? Is that cut off shirt that you Yes. Had? Dude, I met him at. Oh, my that's God. A, that's so age. crazy. Uh, Okay, so <laughs> Chance can come home on the breaks and tell me about his buddy Andy, who's like, you know, making his own business. Super and, cool. Yeah, yeah, really chill guy. I ended up meeting him at a football game here when we played UTSA my freshman year. He's standing. He was the row in front of me. That means so then I was. <laughs> that means we were standing in front of you because he stayed at our house. That yeah. was before y'all knew each other, right? Yeah. Well, he, no, he came way. out for form and didn't get in. No, I would have noticed you. I, I had promise a, I, I had a vendetta, was with him. I had a vendetta against Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so crazy. Chance, if you're listening, he isn't. Yeah, Shout out. He won't. Uh, I'll tell him to. You can say that to him. All right, right. so anyways, Andy. Super, small world, that's super cool. Yeah. yeah. 
so who'd have thought? Yeah, who who'd have thought? Not so me. Andy, do you think that has anything to do with? Um, I, mean, I I don't know. I mean, it, we both talked about you know starting businesses and whatnot. Um, so no, I don't I don't. I mean, I think he would have done it either way. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that, but I th- actually think it's cool that. You know, you see all these like Instagram people who are like, oh, like surround yourself with the five people and that's who you'll be like. Yeah, you lived in super boring development, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, there's literally no trees. No, wow, that's kind of sad. I told y'all there was no trees. Continue. Right. Sorry. Anyways, so Andy's doing straight tiki, badass company, doing what he loves. You're doing boat oak, in my opinion, even cooler. So, you know, <laughs> sorry, you're Andy. Pi- sorry, Andy. Yeah, you're pioneering this whole little outdoorsy subscription box based company. Super cool. But, you know, me and you have lived together, we're really good friends. I know I want to start a company one day. I feel like it, you know, it kind of bleeds into friendships and gives us something to talk about. So Yeah. Yeah, maybe or maybe it's just the people that are into entrepreneurship also have other, you know, traits that are similar. Because like Andy and I, we've been friends since we were a little bitty and, you know, before that's back when I thought I wanted to be a vet, right? And he was gonna I don't even know what he was gonna be. Bless you down, sorry. Um <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, it's definitely something that's that's added to our friendship because we can both talk about it and help each other out, right? Yeah. Like when I started my website, I called him up, and you know, there's a ton of things that you don't typically think about um, that are you have to, you need to ask somebody who's done it, right? Yeah. And so we could kind of bounce off each other that way. But I mean, you've taken Andy to Houtsville. Y'all went to the trip in Colorado together. Um, talk to us a little bit about like that path there keeping all this, like, not friendship together because you guys have been best friends since you were little, but, like, I don't know. I just think it's really cool how you can kind of surround yourself with people that are interested and then that just grows exponentially. So do you think that this is completely unrelated? I know. I just want to ask this. No, like, going. what's, like, the end goal? Is Bodoak the end goal? Or, I mean, me and you have talked about like, the tiny homes where you're the chef and, like, cause you're, I mean, honestly, you're the best <laughs> chef I've ever met in my whole life. Um, well, thank you. Um, uh, it could be the, like, I would be, Totally happy if that was if Bodo grew into a you know big company and I could just make a living off that and do that the rest of my life. Um, it doesn't like to me the end goal isn't like I'm not super set on anything, um, but I do know I, I want to be doing something that I enjoy, so it'll probably be involved in the outdoors. Um, so whether that's a a children's subscription box company or a hunting product company or something like that, yeah, um, it doesn't. Doesn't really matter to me as long as I'm the owner, really, yeah. or or at least high enough, high up enough where I I feel you can like I'm more control, and, right? Yeah. I love I love the idea of being an entrepreneur. I want to be one so bad. I just don't have enough ideas. I'm just not. I'm not an outside thinker enough. I'm really not. I think you. Th- yeah, I think people think that, but like, I don't know. I feel like you should give yourself more credit than you think. And it doesn't like one thing they told us my freshman year. I remember. Was that typically in startups? There's like three people. There's the the idea guy, or and the the uh, the manager person, and then like the the seller, right? Like right. the person that's just what's the word for it? Uh, like outgoing, like the F- face of whatever. It? Yeah, yeah. And so, like like I am definitely not a salesman. Like that is just that is super hard for me. It's hard for me to go. Like even like doing like interviews with people, like yeah. asking like people this questions. Right now. Well, well, but like the other side of it, right? Like going yeah. up to like strangers and trying to get them right, to talk right. to me is not something that I enjoy. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to have everything. And I think a lot of people, like even like the the nice, even like the uh, like the managerial side, like like making things happen, mm-hmm. is hard for me. Like the easiest part is the ideas, 
and the kind of the big picture stuff, it's hard for me to then say, okay, what do I have to do to get there? And then to convince or, or at least present it to other people so that they can buy it. Right. So, so is the tiny home still an idea? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm super interested in tiny houses. Um, Ironic. You're the largest. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Garrett's um, tiny home will have like eight foot ceilings. Minimum. <laughs> well, probably like 12 foot, right? He'll have one of those ones that's like uh, automatic that raises and expands to be a lot bigger than it looks. That would be Like cool. slide outs? Yeah, like yeah. on RV? Well, yeah, I have no. I was trying to picture what you were saying with the house that was like, going to grow. I couldn't. It, trust me, I'll have to show you a video. But it's like an, I, RV. It it's like an RV. Yeah, It's kinda. literally a fifth wheel. <laughs> ah, kind of but it's not that easy to move like we'll make something smaller anyway it doesn't matter doesn't matter but <laughs> yeah i mean you i mean we've talked about it the idea of like little tiny homes on land people come out and hunt that's been like the cool like i think about that shit i'm oh, sorry i think about that stuff. i think about that all the time i'm just like that's like that'd be so cool but that yeah. would be 100 full-time right right gig. so I ha- like like I was saying like I have a lot of ideas um, and what he's referring to is just one that's like just kind of takes everything that I like and puts it in like one one place yeah. right yeah um, so tiny houses you know restaurant hunting farming um, it'd be like a true but it would be like a true farm to table like right you kill it yeah bring it back learn how to skin it quarter it you take whatever's home and then you would cook the meal explain to them everything. Yeah, you yeah. Have garden out, like it would be crazy cool. People would pay so much money to go. See, out that's there. the thing with entrepreneurship. That's a really hard word to say. It's hard but, to spell too. Yeah, it's my, it it's really my minor, is. and I still like just get Google or Google. Spell yeah, spell check. I have I have a hard time spelling opportunity. That's another issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the thing is, you know, like like with 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 true entrepreneurs, there it is. I nailed it. But say it again, say it fast, like entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. I still did it, but. Nice. The thing is, you know, like when you look at successful ones, they don't just have one. In, they're not one and done, right? They're, oh, they yeah. keep building. They have different thoughts. They continue to to make their ideas into reality and, and produce it. Like that's that's incredible to me. Because like once you once you can make the first one, I do believe that that gets that gets your foot in the door and the ball rolling. It definitely. I think it definitely makes it easier. But like something that. Reminds me of, like, he loves the outdoors. You love nature and all that kind of stuff. So, like, he's doing something that works, but it's also something that he loves to do, right? So, the more passionate you are about whatever idea you have, or maybe maybe you're not super passionate about it, but you have a lot of experience in it, sometimes that plays well, too. So, like, for him in his instance, in Garrett's instance, like, being super passionate about the outdoors plays really well to what he's doing right now. And I was looking at your website before before we started the interview, and um, I I went to the FAQ slide. And it's like uh, frequently asked questions. Right, right, right. And it was like, what's the age range? Age range for one of these kids. And it was like, you know, eight to fifteen, eight to fourteen. Well, I think I'm I'm seriously considering buying the tree one because I don't know my trees. Like, and I, I'm so no, it's a thing. I'm serious. I get so jealous. I get so jealous of people who like if it's not an oak tree can be like, oh, that's a whatever tree. That's like a sycamore, sycamore. whatever. Jake, I have no idea. Jake Beard went to. It's pretty funny you say that. Jake Beard went to state. For uh, plant identification, wait, at really? Wild. Yeah, yeah. Man, I want to stay for wildlife. Whoa. Yeah, I, I forget what it's called. Like, I think it's just called wildlife. He went to state with Zach Moore, one of his high school best friends, and they did, like, they wouldn't study at all. They would just get to leave school early, and then they would just go and like look like, through fields. Go and just, yeah, they would just go to these competitions, get to leave school, and they would dress up in these in like ridiculous outfits and still win the competitions, not study at all, and then like 
so my freshman year, we'd be driving somewhere, and I would just quiz him the whole ride. And you would know it. But also, I don't know anything, so he could have been lying. But I think he knows what he's talking about. So, oh, you're saying he could have been BSing you the whole time you wouldn't even know? But I, I think he he's a state finalist. Oh, I'm sure he was right. I'm just saying, but, but you I couldn't confirm. Yeah, we'd be driving through Texas. What's that? He'd look at it for three seconds and just give me the whole thing. And I'd be like, cool. And we just kept doing that. So, yeah, I'm That's, super jealous of – I can tell, you know, pine, oak – Anything after that, I'm like, oh, that's it looks like a pine. That's a like skill I want to have. Like, seriously, to be able to look at a tree and be like, oh, that's that immediately. I mean, it, it really gets on nerves. Wait, so Garrett, what was like, okay, obviously you love the outdoors and stuff like that. What was like the thing in your life, you know, was there an experience you had with your dad or somebody that kind of like stoked the flames of loving the outdoors or just how you grew up or how, can you tell us about that? So... I was really into survival when I was little. Um, yeah. So far, so good. You're still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've done well. Man um, versus wild. Yeah, so I was super into survival, and, and I would go out in the woods in my backyard and build, like, shelters and, and traps, like, down. Um, you sleep out there? Bushwork. Uh, bush, no. Bushcraft. Bush, uh, bush, yeah, crush. Have you heard that word before tonight? Bushcraft? Oh, yeah. Is that, like, a thing I just yeah, know about? You get them on YouTube. Wait, there, there's that one guy. I mean, you've seen this guy on Instagram, Primitive... Primitive technology, I think, is the. You see the guy that builds like. Oh, he'll Dave, walk. He'll Dave Canterbury. No, no, that's. Um, it's the primitive. No, he's got what is that show? I'm talking about the people who live in that's Singapore survival, and just man. dig out. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> they'll walk Those into an best. empty field yeah. and dig an entire like two bedroom one bath house with a yeah, hot yeah. tub, and it's just super yeah. fast. And you just got to just dig. You dig it with a stick. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. wait. What was Dave Canterbury in? With Joe, no. Joe Teddy. Was that, the, that wasn't the two guys, was it? Yes. Okay, that was. That wasn't Survivor Man. That no. was um, Dual Survival. Dual Survival. Yeah. Oh, that Dual was Survival. That was a great show. What was the guy that walked around on uh, without shoes? I don't know his name. I can't. Oh my! That dude used to aggravate me so much. I'm like, dude, just put shoes on. Like, are you trying to prove something to somebody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, at, I mean, look up Dual Survival. I used to. So I was a when I grew up, I was like a big Discovery Channel kid. Like that's. I mean, sure you have like the Disney's and Nickelodeons or whatever, but like. Dude, I could. I've probably seen every show you can have imagined on Cody Lundig, the MythBusters, and the Dual Survival, the Man vs. Wild. Like, there was a there was another survival show I can't think of right now. That Naked and Afraid. I didn't really watch that. Survivor. One of the newer ones. Survivor Man. I was just joking. Right. That was the one guy. Yeah, the the one guy too. Yeah, I used to watch that. Bear Grylls. But you're more no, of that's a Man vs. Wild. Oh, okay. But you're yeah. more like swing it back to shows. You're a huge Steve Ranella guy. Yeah, that's pretty much the only yeah. the only show slash meat eater. Yeah, thing I follow. That's a great show. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna plug this. Me and Garrett had a pretty nice little bros date last night where we actually cooked out of the meat eater um, recipe, recipe book. book? Fish oh, game. they have a recipe yeah. book. Yeah. Fish yeah. Game cookbook. So please, please talk through. I mean, I've said this twice now. Garrett is a phenomenal chef and would be incredible. So we're gonna, I'm gonna slightly plug the awesome bros date that we had last night. Yeah, it was good. Respect. Got to eat elk for the first time. Oh, you ate the elk steaks? Yeah, we ate the elk. Well, tell them what we had, man. (coughs) Break Um, it down. I can't remember, honestly. Well, we had jalapeno poppers, just kind of your standard standard jalapeno popper first. Um, We had like three courses. So, and then that was the first one. Uh, Second, we had... that stand wouldn't even work. Yeah. Is it the jalapeno-shaped one where you put them in? The holes? Yeah. Oh, it's the Texas-shaped. Is it the Texas-shaped one? No, it's just like a stand with holes drilled in it, so they're vertical. Right, right. It's, 
Don't, yeah, I got one of those for Christmas. They don't buy work. it. Don't buy it. You just need it, it, it would work. You just need smaller jalapenos. Okay. The holes are too small right. for the big. But if you're pockets. having stuffed jalapenos like we had, they literally just fall over. And then, like me, I have two burns on my hand that bubbled last night. I popped them because I was trying to grab it because they hmm. fell over a bunch. Good to know. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So then our our second course you could call it our second group of food um, was uh, elk carpaccio, which is out of the, the cookbook. Yeah. Which is basically just. Meat Rot rolled meat. in pepper and yeah, slice. no, he makes it all the time on the show. He's Wait, made it like raw? four or five yeah. times. Carpaccio. You ate raw elk last night. Yes, you just roll it up into Straight small, bite small, <laughs> small slivers, right? Yeah, yeah. super thin slice. Yeah. You don't want to see through it. Dang, it was good, man. I love watching that meat eater before I go to bed. Good. So what? What do we have? It wasn't arugula. It was watercress. Uh, water, yeah, watercress salad with like a spicy, spicy citrus, citrus vinaigrette. Did you yeah. make the vinaigrette? We made mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, it was all See, out of the cookbook. I'm just so bad at cooking. I just don't cook. I don't. Just continue. I'm just jealous. <laughs> and then uh, and then to, to top it all off, we had just your typical elk steak uh, grilled with... Pretty raw. Yeah, like rare. Garrett, Garrett's a pretty big rare guy. Is, it, um, is the elk gamey? Like, no, is, it, is it tender? It's phenomenal. It's tender? Yeah, elk is like wild. one of the best meats you can eat, too, yeah. from what they say. 50, I've never had it. For a six-ounce steak, we looked it up, 52 grams of protein. For a six-ounce steak? That's really good. Grams wow. Wow. And then, so with the steak, we had uh, twice-baked oh. uh, potatoes with, like, mm. poblano oh. and cheddar cheddar cheese and uh, cilantro. That was good. Yeah, yeah. And then we had, Actually, obviously, that's what I had for lunch. Oh, and you ate our leftovers? Dinner. Yeah, right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good. So I also we, had the rest of the salad. Um, <laughs> and then, what was, what was the last thing we had with that? Oh, we had oh, sauteed mushrooms and then yeah. we had dessert. So sauteed mushrooms and a compound brother, butter that my brother made that was like a Asian... Miso soupy. Yeah. It was really good. Influence. But pretty, so. pretty powerful. Wow. And then we had, yeah, homemade bread for, for dessert. While we're on, oh my gosh. On the couch. Last night I had a 10 piece spicy McNugget meal <laughs> <laughs> and three IPAs. <laughs> like, what? Oh, we, we had the live oak uh, Hefeweizen. It's yeah. pretty that Austin. Hefeweizen? Yeah, what is that? It's a wheat beer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it wrong. That's the way I've always pronounced it. Is Hefe- it German? Hefeweizen. It's German. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a wheat beer. It's really good. But, anyways, yeah, Dang. Garrett. Yeah, it was good. I had to pour out the last half of your can. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, half a drink guy. Big half a drink <laughs> guy. But yeah, Garrett cooks that kind of stuff all the time. So living with him our sophomore year, you know, me and Jake Kelly would be fighting over who ate the last ramen, um, stuff like that. And then Garrett's just cooking like wild game r- roasts all the time, stuff like that. And actually, after dessert, we had um, we had to cure that hide where I touched it and almost gagged. Yeah, yeah so I've gotten into uh, hide tanning recently. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on my second one. I'm doing a, a pig hide that is blonde and like real long curly hair. It's mm-hmm. real pretty. Um, and so I've had it thawing because I I fleshed it, then I froze it. Right. Because I needed. I was going away for the weekend. Um, and we were just salting it last night, and Cooper thought it was an older uh, deer hide that I had done like a month ago that was dry. Yeah. So we poked it, and it's string of slime comes <laughs> off it was pretty gross yeah, yeah, so gross. when you hide something is it, it did you put it on a board and salt it or is that not the same because i know with like snakes and smaller stuff you just just put it on a, like a plywood board and salt it and you, leave it yeah there's different there's different ways you can do it that's one way is, is salting it um and then you can use a chemical solution mm. uh which Fake. is what i'm yeah i'm doing yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, traditionally you could, you would brain tan something, which is where you would use the brains and I don't know what the 
chemical is, but you like mash it up and that's what you use. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Is that only for hog or is that for anything? Uh, well, I only know it being for deer, but I assume most things. Sure so does the salt draw all the blood out of the... the no, there's no blood. It's just moisture, right? Yeah, so when you you, you, you have your hide that you skinned, right. right? And then you flesh it, which is getting all the little meat bits and like right. fat and stuff mm-hmm. off. So at that point, you're pretty... You're like real close to the hair follicles. Like you can even see them sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you're just drawing out the last little bit of water moisture. Hmm. Yeah. Bo tried to my roommate Bo. He tried to uh, tan a hide for his. I don't even remember what it was, and he definitely did it wrong. And it's still in our garage and it looks like absolute garbage. <laughs> it's just like so we're like, dude, can you just throw this away? He's like, I don't know. I think I might I'm gonna can revisit fix it. it. I'm gonna revisit yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't touched it in like a year. So I yeah. always find it interesting when it comes to you know, like processing an, an animal, like with, with, for us, you know, when you want to mount something, you got to like bleach it or boil it. One time we just sat it like out on our lease for a month or two and you go back out and look at it and it's completely clean because from maggots, animals. no oh. maggots. Ooh. I mean, tons of them and they just clean everything out. It's spotless. It's oh, super gross. interesting. Or gross. No, it's cool. Well, I guess it's kind of natural. I definitely think it's gross. <laughs> yeah. But it's also natural. Yeah, you're right. So wait, Garrett, what was your favorite hunting trip you think you've ever been on? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been on a lot of them. So I want to well, hear your favorite. So actually, I actually didn't get into hunting until I was about 12. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad didn't grow up hunting uh, just because his dad didn't and it just never you know yeah. happened. Um, and so... My parents bought some property when I was 12. Um, and Is this Needville or? Houseville. Okay, yeah. Houseville. And so we started trying to learn how to hunt together. Um, and so it was just kind of a slow progression from there. I shot squirrels and stuff with my yeah. pellet gun, you know, in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sure. that was, yeah, that was my first time hunting a, a bigger animal. Um, it's, so, so I don't have a whole lot of, like, trips. Um, it's all been there or at my house, you know, back home for, for squirrels. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite, I guess, hunting story was just one time I was out with my dad setting a, we were setting a, a hog trap, like the a box trap, like a live trap. And a group of pigs runs by and we had set the gun down. So we, they ran right by and we didn't get them. And so uh, we like circle around them through the woods and I'd never done any sort of like stalking or like tracking right nothing like not not for a big animal at least right um and so i like my dad like hid where he you know was like in a depression so he wouldn't get shot mm-hmm. and then i snuck around and cut him off and shot one on the run so that was that was oh, my coolest sick. moment but um, yeah. nothing extravagant just kind of a more it's just a different type of hunting right but so. also a good moment with your dad too for yeah sure. like yeah. that's super funny yeah. yeah. Keep going. Oh, yours is your lasagna ready? Yeah, I should have started. <laughs> no, it's fine. Gary, that's funny you say that. Um, so my dad grew up like in the woods in Montgomery, Texas, before it was, you know, the football mecca of Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> that's where Cameron McLeod and Tucker. Um, but my dad grew up, it was really small, and so he trapped um all of high school, not like what we would think of trapping today, like actual animal trapping. And um, every week, I guess it's like the fur, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. He would come by and my dad and his pawpaw would trap and my dad would wake up for football practice and go check the traps. And my dad was making like 
300 to 400 bucks every two weeks in the 80s. Yeah, like that's trapping, awesome. catching, like, and having all the um, hides and all that stuff. And he'd sell the meat, and it was just like super cool, super interesting stuff. So I kind of grew up with that in mind. And so my dad's so favorite story to tell about me. I think I was like, I guess this is my coolest hunting story as well. I was 12 on Christmas morning. Me and my dad were hunting in Comacel, Texas. And um, there was a bunch of hogs down at the feeder. And my dad's, all right, you know, there's the biggest sow. Go ahead and uh, take her. And I was like, well, hold on. I'm going to wait for the second sow. Like, wait for them to, like, cross paths. Because they were just, I mean, whenever hogs are at the feeder, they're just moving around everywhere, rummaging. And so I wait, I wait, I wait. And they're there for, like, 16 minutes. And finally, both the sows stop like back to back. So one south facing west, one south facing east, but their shoulders are aligned. Oh. And I take the shot and my dad is literally like crying, laughing. Like he's so happy and he calls up all his buddies. He's like, I cooped a shot, two hogs and one. Or no, two hogs and one shot, baby, let's go. <laughs> and so literally just throws him in the back of the four wheeler. We drive straight to the um straight to the deer camp where everyone's there and for the next six hours. My dad knew he tell the story over and over. How many, how many times do you think you told that story that day? I've told, yeah, I've told that story more than I was sitting in the blind for sure. And I <laughs> previously, like three years before that, we were living in Laredo and um, the sun was already setting. We were walking back to our truck and there was still like maybe five minutes of daylight and there was a, there were a bunch of hogs at uh, one of the other feeders. And my dad was like, hey, just like shoot one. If you hit it, cool. Pull the trigger, we hear a thud. I'm like, oh, sweet. And we walk up to it, and two had been shot. But I don't really count that one as... Like, I didn't do it on purpose. I pulled the trigger. But you still got two I shot one. one through the shoulder, and the other one got gut shot. Ended up dying peacefully. Wow. So, but Real. yeah, the coma snail, two shot, one kill is my dad's That's favorite story. story. <laughs> How old were you? 12. 12. So, my dad... That's when you became a man. It's post-Boy Scout Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> it was... No, I used everything what I learned in the two mm. weeks in the two Boy Scouts. To yeah, to take those animals down, but yeah, if I somehow died, that would definitely be my dad's eulogy of how good of a son I was, or something like that. <laughs> he loves that story. I don't think I necessarily have like a. Oh, I mean, I have I have some a few hunting stories that you know I, that you know how, what's the word I'm looking for flow through my mind, or there's a there's a better word for it. I mean, you've come to the in your life. I mean, I have a I have a few hunting stories that that come to my mind, but one was more of like an encounter, so. We're on our lease in South Texas, and me and my dad just got out, or me and my grandpa, me or probably me and my uncle. Me and my uncle had just gotten out of the stand, and we were going down to the feeder to make sure that, um, like, it went off. We I think we maybe went there late. I don't know. There's something wrong with the feeder. That's why we were walking down to the feeder to look at it. Do you have a gun? Mm-hmm. Me? No, I'm, like, probably eight or nine. Oh, okay. Steve, yeah. yeah, my uncle has a gun. So I'm, like, a little kid, you know, and it, it erodes really bad down there when it rains. Yeah. I mean, everything's just sand. So there's nothing holding it. There's in. washouts on both sides of the road. The one that I jumped into was probably like two foot. So we're just minding our own business, walking down this road, and I hop down in this washout, and I immediately jump back up, and I stop where I am, and whoever I was with, I can't remember who it was. They looked at me, and they knew automatically that I had just stepped on a rattlesnake, and from that day on, I just. I, I don't know. It just stuck with me. It was it was terrifying. Like I you're scared stepped. of snakes now? No, not necessarily scared. Oh, I'm very am. hesitant of where I walk. For sure. Well, it didn't it did it bite you? No. Well, I, was, I stepped on. Like I was. Like I stepped. And it didn't on. bite you. That's well, actually. I bet it didn't, yeah, right. I bet it didn't have time to. 
No, but like you, it was like or something. Like yeah. on, it. yeah. Like I stepped on. Yeah, the snake was probably equally as Like holy shit, dude! Like yeah, back off, man. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Yeah, get out of hundred pounds. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. And then like the next day, I got my first pair of Chippewa snake boots. <laughs> So you probably get time to invest. No, no, I can't remember, dude. I was like nine. Surely y'all killed it. Definitely. You definitely if you're in South Texas, you should say you kill it. You kill them because there's in the there's too many. I, I remember we were at uh, the Bushwhack Eric Huggins Ranch, and um, Jack was about to get married, and we um, we're literally just driving around, and we all have our pistols, and we pull up like we're just going like driving around, driving around, and we turn a corner. And the snake was crossing the road. And it, like, I think it probably ate something like a minute before. I mean, it was just like gorged. Like, there was literally like snake, 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 and like a massive body. Snake, snake, snake. Like, it was, it could barely move. We get out of the Polaris. We literally just unload on it. And it, it, it was, I think it was like a seven foot, seven or eight foot rattlesnake. Wow, it's bigger than I've seen. Bigger than, how you said it was the biggest rattlesnake they killed on there for, and he's been, it's been in their family for a hundred years. Biggest snake wow. that they've ever killed there. And um, Jack, I know you never got the snake skin, but we were originally going to have it framed with a picture of us that weekend with the snake for your wedding present. Um, and Huggy actually didn't, back to tanning hides, couldn't do it right. Cause he was like, oh no, like my uncle would know how to do it and ruined the- It's super hard. Ruined the snake skin. Yeah. And so, sorry, Jack, that was gonna be a really cool wedding present you didn't get. <laughs> Um, but yeah, rattlesnakes are scary shit. Yeah, I don't like them. I would say my definitely like my favorite hunting experience. And um, w- one time, I, I think I like bird hunting a lot more than I like you know um, deer hunting or fishing. But like, we w- I got to go on my first dove hunt when I was I think I was like twelve, ten or twelve, somewhere around the same age. And uh, one of my dad's buddies had a nice pro- piece of property in Oklahoma, and they had like fields full of milo and sunflower and all that kind of stuff planted and it was like it was a really nice big piece of property so like the, as soon as we passed through the gate and i was like all right jump in the driver's seat i'm like what he's like yeah you're driving the whole time we're here so like for the whole week i'm 12 <laughs> my dad struck his friend truck like they don't care you know they're having a good time and i'm just you know driving these big trucks and i definitely should, like got the seat all the way up like can barely reach the pedals but uh yeah that was a killer weekend we limited out like every day that's where i learned how to uh i guess you call it skinning a dove i don't know what you call it but uh what would it be dressing uh, ripping probably, probably breast brutally destroying yeah, yeah shoving your thumb underneath its breast and just and ripping, ripping, ripping it, it apart yeah unhinging oh unhinging, oh, unhinging. That sounds I, that's a way better John, that's funny you say that my i remember going hunting um incredible trip yeah I remember going hunting with my dad my dad's a huge bird hunter shout out lance shout out lance ligan um so we're bird hunting and my dad's best friend at the time, uh, Mike Smith. Um, we had a, we have a four wheeler we still have in comfort and my dad, I didn't know like you could change gears on it. And so I was, no, I wasn't even 10 yet. I think it was nine. Oh my before God. The divorce, I so. think I know what this is going on. I was nine. <laughs> okay. And so, um, I'm driving this four wheeler with, uh, my dad's best, other best friend, Bobby's son, Cade. I'm driving the four-wheeler, and I only know how to drive in first gear. I've been driving it for two or three years now. Whatever, right? So I can max go, what, 10 miles an hour? No. It's that. Not it's that. that. Like, like seven. Yeah. Like, but you're, I, like you're, you're, you're up there in the RPMs. Yeah, yeah. Up there in the RPMs going like seven, eight miles an hour, and I'm like, yeah, I own this I own this four-wheeler. I'm a badass eight-year-old, nine-year-old. Well, Mike Smith's had a couple beers, as you do in bird hunting. Deer camp. 
Oh, was, yeah, we were, yeah, we were we were duck hunting, and so Mike Mikey comes up to me, he's like, "Coop, why are you only in first gear, man?" I was like, "What? Like this is just how fast it goes." Oh, you never knew. So Mikey goes, "Watch this," and puts into fifth gear. Oh, this is this is a nice four wheel. Off to the races. There's a college kid there. I still don't know his name. He probably has this scarred in his memory as well. And so I go up to him and was like, "Hey, let's race." And he was like, mm, "All right." And you're nine. I'm nine with another eight year old on my back, and so I just seventeen. Like, Seven, yeah, he, I, yeah, I think he was in college. He could have been sixteen, no, no, no. nine, and the eight-year-old on your back, seventeen. We're, yeah, we were combined seventeen. This guy's in his twenties, and so I just start slamming it, just pedal to the metal, but it was really thumb to the whatever it would be. So I'm wow. going as huh throttle. Yeah, thumb to the throttle. Yeah. I'm going as fast as I can, and me and Kate are staring back at the guy, laughing at him, going, 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 and the guy turns. And I was like, what an idiot. He turned. And I look up, and there's just a barbed wire fence. And so, mm. put up my hand, duck my head like this. And um, if we had a YouTube channel, you'd be able to see this. But I have five stitches right here, and my finger, my pinky was like hanging off. And my head from, whenever I get a haircut, every single time with a new uh, lady, she'll be like, oh man, this is a big scar. I was like, yeah. But it's like from here to here, oh I had like gosh. 17 stitches. And so my dad has to take me. Um, it's my dad, me and my mom, and then Mike Smith, coincidentally, driving to the hospital. But, I mean, we're in a dove field in the middle of nowhere in South Texas. So we're there for, like, it's 45 minutes there. Right. And I remember I was laying in my mom's lap, and I was like, am I going to die, Mom? And she was like, no, you're not going to die. Shut up. <laughs> so they get me to the hospital, and, the you know, the nurses are super nice, and the doctor gives me all the shots and stitches me up. But I remember the whole time my mom and dad were just getting, like, actually, like, yelled at and, like, borderline, like, CPS was called. Because the doctor was like, why wasn't he wearing a helmet? Why wasn't he wearing a helmet? And they're like, well, oh, I don't know. Who wears a helmet? Meanwhile, you should wear a helmet. But You should wear a helmet. But meanwhile, yeah. My parents are just like mortified. The kid on the back is fine. Cade. But yeah, my fingers are just dangling off. And I walk in the hospital like, <laughs> just like crying. And my <laughs> crying. whole head is just bleeding. And there's like this eight-year-old covered in clearly like camo and jeans. Like they knew we were hunting. It was hilarious. How fast do you think you hit that fence? 40. No way. Did you go over 30? it? You would have, like, been in the hospital. Like, been I in the literally hospital. was in the hospital. For how long? No, I... So you would have stayed the night in the no, hospital. So you hit that I, thing at 40? I, I slammed on my rakes, hit hit it like this, put my hand up to protect myself, and ducked. Smart. So it cut my hand and then went over my head. So if I would have noticed it, the doctor, like, literally did this to, his, to my dad. He was like, all right, your son put your hand up like this and ducked his head. And he was like, now take your hand down and point your head up. And so the doctor was like, yeah, I'm going to cut his head clean off. Oh my gosh! Jeez. But luckily, it was. Because like, you have a big head. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was an older <laughs> fence, so we kind of ran through it. But it was super scary. That was my, that was my death hunting story. That's I do a, love definitely death hunting. I love bird hunting for sure. So Garrett, you have not injured yourself hunting or anything like that. Mm, no, no. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think I've ever injured myself hunting. One time, I was in a deer stand, same same place in South Texas. It was like November, so it's kind of cold. Mm-hmm. It was like right when the rut started, and I got dropped off at my stand way before light, mm-hmm. and I just remember sitting there. I'm probably like 14 or 15, maybe 16, and I just like remember sitting there, and you can hear everything, right? You can hear everything going on around oh, you. Oh, yeah. I just hear like uh, crawling, but like a lot of it. So it's like crawling to like 10. Like rats? No, not like rats, like... Uh, like insects. Ugh. I can hear that. So Rings. there's a, I turned on my flashlight cause I could like 
I just didn't know what was going on around me. Mm -hmm. And there was, I have a picture on my phone. There was 30 yellow jackets that oh. were, that were, that couldn't fly because it was cold in that stand with me. Wait, does the cold stop their wings from yes, working? They what? don't, they don't operate the best in the cold. Yeah. They, like, they're really kind of stunned. Docile in the right. weather. They just kind of crawl around. So there was also a leather glove. And I think for this purpose. So I put on a leather glove <laughs> and I just started whack them, pinching them. And I piled up their, their dead and I just left it there. The carcasses? In the stand. Oh my. Yeah, God. it was pretty crazy. That's you're, leaving, you're leaving a note for the rest of the. Right. The rest sending of the a message. Right. Yeah, yeah, sending don't a message. come back here. <laughs> for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, if anybody else has something they want to talk about, Garrett, we'll let you have the last final word before we kind of wrap things up here. If there's anything you want to mention or talk about, feel free to feel free to say it. No, I just I appreciate y'all having me, and it's been enjoyable. We're gonna have to hang out after. For you know, sure, actually, I think we'll get along great. great. You can <laughs> so. you can uh, name all the trees for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know your protege. You can teach Neil all the trees. It can be, yeah, it can be Garrett, Neil, and then all the twelve-year-olds that are still better than right. Neil. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll teach them once I know. Get, you'll get on the I'll get, board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, Garrett, thanks for being here. I've enjoyed this time listening to all your stories. You got a, a great path ahead of you. So, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for spending some time with us, Cooper. Thanks for introducing us. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for the Royal Small this week, guys. We're out. Peace. Later.